Welcome, Abundant Babe. I have been waiting for you. And I get the feeling I know you pretty well already. Because like me, you are the visionary, the eternal optimist, the one who embraces all aspects of her divine feminine while being grounded with ambitious and driven energy. You've got big dreams and you're ready to make it all happen. Well, let me tell you, soul sister, you've come to the right place. The Abundant Babe podcast is designed for goddesses just like you. We will talk about purposeful business, personal growth, mindset, money, manifestation, success, goals, all with a splash of spirituality and a tad of silliness. I know you've got it in you and now is the time, beautiful. Trust in yourself and take action on what myself and other abundant babes share in the sacred space. And believe me, babe, your life will continue to change and expand. I'm your host, Viola Hug, multi-passionate entrepreneur, mentor, and coach. And my purpose is to help visionaries manifest everything they want through alignment, spirituality, and tangible strategy. It is so great to have you here. Now let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Abundant Babes podcast. This is your host, Viola Hug, and I am joined today with the lovely Kate. Welcome, Kate. Hi, hi, hello. <laughs> nice to have you. It's so good to have you. Thank you for having me. Like, I'm so excited. <laughs> so Kate is a food and body coach, and she's the founder of the Breaking Through Emotional Eating Facebook group, or group just in general, I believe. And she's mm-hmm. also the host of the Body Confident Babes podcast. She's also a wife and a dog mom and specializes in coaching emotional eaters to find food freedom and break through their body struggles, which is super, super cool. So we're going to have a super fun conversation. Um, Kate, do you want to share your Instagram so people can go Instagram stalk you while they're listening? Okay, yes. It's just at Kate Joanelle, so it's my name. Okay. Share with us like a little bit more about who you are. Like, Where do you live? Like, What part of the world are you in? How did you get into doing what you do? What's your story? Okay, so I'm in Little North Carolina in the United States. Well, I don't think it's Little. Well, it's, it's a state. I think it's Little because I live out in the middle of the country, so I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised here. I have not – well, I've traveled and, like, left out the state, but, like, this is where my home is, is in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, going back into my story, let's backtrack to childhood because I feel like everybody's story <laughs> backtracks to childhood. Um, with me, that. I grew up in a – Yeah, right? (laughs) With me, I grew up in an abusive household. So like my dad was an alcoholic. My brother was physically abusive. He tried to kill me like twice type of thing. It was very, yeah, it was, it was a very just unhealthy household. So I was struggling with the abuse from my dad who was like emotionally and mentally abusive. Then my brother who was physically and emotionally and mentally abusive growing up. Then on the flip side, I had my family. They like to be like the picture perfect family. Like if you're not perfect, you're not good. Like you don't get love. You don't get support. You don't get connection from them. So with them out, we always had to be perfect. We always had to look perfect. And back in then I was like in the nineties, two thousands, like there was diets were huge. Like body image was huge. You had to be like a double zero or you weren't loved. So like, that's where my family was all about. So like, it was all about body image, all about, okay, what diet are you on? Okay. How like less of calories are you eating? How much restriction are you doing? And growing up, I was like the chubbier child because I turned to food because of the abuse. So I was like 
bigger boned. I was the chubbier side. So they would always like tell me like, oh, you need to be dieting. You need to lose weight or nobody's going to love you. You're not going to find a good man. All of this jazz. So by like the age of eight, like I was already dieting. I was already super aware of my body. I was super aware that I was heavier than all the other girls. And that made me like super wrong compared to everything else. And then struggling with that abuse as well was super duper hard. So I got into this is yeah. so intense. I know. <laughs> it really is. Looking back, I'm just like, how did I make it through? I kind of, it like, kind of look at it kind of like a movie. Like, I'm like, yes. was that really my life? Like, but yeah. yeah Isn't it incredible, though, what you can endure? Yeah. And it's, it's, this goes to, like, a point that I always live by is that everything happening is for you and in perfect yeah. timing. So even like the crappiest of things, like, yeah, like that stuff was hard going back. I wouldn't want to do it again, but if I brought me back to here, like I would do it again over again all the time because I wouldn't be the person I am today without any of this, like yeah. these bad things happening to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then going through that, I, growing up, I was like super aware of my body going through the abusive relationship, not relationship, but like the abusive family. Um, I hit my teen years and I got a car. I had more responsibility I was like, you know what? I'm done being the fat girl. That's basically what I told myself. Like, I'm over it. Like, let's go and be the love so I can get love for my family. I can actually be like the the kid that you're proud of, something like that. Mm -hmm. So I like went to the other side. So instead of turning to food, I went and restricted food. I went over restricted and I over exercised. And then I lost a whole bunch of weight and my family was so proud of me. My fam- my friends were so proud. They were all so happy. They're like, you're so happy. You're so healthy. But I developed my eating disorder at that point. I was over restricting. I was over exercising. Yeah. I was binging and purging. And I was just so unhappy with myself, so unhappy with my body, even though my body was the quote-unquote ideal body that I wanted. I didn't see that yet, and I was still so unhappy. I was so sad. I was crying myself to sleep. I struggled with food so freaking hard. I was just like, I don't know what to do here. Like I was just so, just so lost, so alone. And then eventually I moved out of my house when I was 16 because like, I started dating my husband now, well, boyfriend back then, husband now, mm-hmm. um, when I was 16 and he was 18. And that caused a huge, I know, right? It caused a huge problem though in my household because my family was so controlling. They're like, you can't date a boy who's 18 when you're 16. And then my brother was like a protective, abusive kind of brother, if that makes sense. Like, he was like abusive but protective. So he abused me trying to protect me, if that makes sense. Because he was really upset that I was dating my husband and he like cracked my car windshield, threatened to kill me, threatened to kill my like boyfriend at the time. And it was just like this big commotion over who I was dating. And back then, like I knew I was going to marry this man. Like I just knew at, at that point. But it just became too much where like I was unsafe. I was unhappy and I couldn't get a control of my life. So I moved out of my house when I was 16. I told my mom, like, I'm leaving and I'm not coming back. And I just pieced mm-hmm. out and went and moved in with my best friend. And I was still struggling with my eating disorder. I was still struggling with myself. And then I hit what I like to call my rock bottom moment. So I was on my own. I was struggling with my body. I went to the gym. Like I went like three times a day, but this one time I went to the gym and I weighed myself before my workout and I weighed myself after my workout. And let's pause for a cause. Your weight goes up and down constantly throughout the day. Totally normal. Totally okay. But back then, Yep. Back then I weighed myself and I gained 0.5 of a pound after my workout, which normal water weight, muscle expansion, all of that stuff, like totally normal. Right. But 
back then, that 0.5 of a pound broke me. Like, I was in the middle of the gym, sobbing my eyes out, crying. And I was just, like, on the floor, like, a little bucket full of tears. And I was just, like, I had this moment where I was, like, okay, why am I crying? Why am I struggling with my body so much? Why is 0.5 of a pound breaking me in half? I'm, like, this shouldn't be the way I should live. I was, like, if this is life, why am I doing it this way? Like, there's got to be another way. People talk about happiness. People talk about living the perfect positive life that you can. And I'm like, why can't I have that? Like, and I, like I had this moment where I was like, I can have that. And as corny as it sounds, I dug into the, like the chicken noodle soup for the soul books my mom gave me when I was younger. Mm. And I was like, Oh, let me, let me dive into this a little bit. And then I opened it up and it would talk all about perspective and like mindset and stuff. And it kind of opened this huge door for me where I was you know, the inner work, because that's where it started was, you know, trying to keep my, keep me safe, keep me loved, keep me supported. So I dove into the inner work part of it. And then at that time I gained over 110 pounds in a span of a year because my body was like, Oh, I got to hold on to all of this weight because we're not starving ourselves anymore. And then I turned to emotional eating at that point, second rock bottom. I like to say where I was like, you know what? I tried to do it the first time and I didn't heal all the way. Obviously I'm still struggling with something. So I dug deeper into myself, did all the deep, deep, like sobby, like inner work, the hard, hardcore stuff. And then I was able to actually heal fully my eating disorder, my emotional eating, and fully reconnect back into me and my body, heal my relationship to me, heal my relationship to food, and all of that jazz. And then I saw a need on the other side where I was like, other women should not struggle with this. They need to know that there is another way and that we don't have to struggle with food and we don't have to struggle with our body. And so that's kind of where my business kind of became a business, I guess. I saw the need for women who struggled with food in their body because I think it's a high percentage. It's like 98% of women have struggled with food in their body. So I kind of created my business off of that because I don't want other women to struggle with what I went through, if that makes sense. So I think this is like an absolutely crazy and amazing journey that you've been on. And it's so cool the way that it now is impacting the world and also obviously impacting yourself. And I'm curious um, if I'm allowed to ask as well, like what's your relationship like with your family now? Like, are you in contact with them again? Like, what's that like? Um, It's very rocky. It's a lot different than what it was where back then I like blamed them for every single thing that happened. I was like, you are the reason why I struggle with all of this. Like you're the reason, like I hate you. Like I never want to speak to you ever again, but going through like the healing journey, healing myself, I've actually gained a lot of compassion for my family because what I've come to realize over like, you know, my adulthood life and all that stuff is that hurt people hurt people. And that people are doing the best they can with what they have. So I like, I dove into like my own stuff and my connection with my family. Then I was like, okay, well, let me look at their connection with their parents. How did their childhood go? Oh, we're just really like all struggling inner children, just really running our lives. But um, yeah, like the connection I have with them now is different. I have love and compassion for them. I don't spend a lot of time with them. It's very iffy. I see them every once in a while. I don't speak to my brother. That I have compassion for him, but the way he lives his life is not anywhere I want to be around that energy because he's still 
the same person he was back then. He wreaks havoc, not really the nicest person in the world. So I just don't want to be around that energy. Mm -hmm. I have forgiven that past. I have moved on from it, but it's not something I want to be around, which is similar to how my relationship with my family is. Like I love them. I have compassion for them, but I don't want to be around that energy for so long that I only do it every so often where it's just like, oh, let me pop in because I love you. Like I want to see you every so often, but I don't have that much to talk about at the same time. So I just see them more of to be like, okay, let's just have this little connection and then I'll see you later type of thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It's really interesting as well how you're able to build those boundaries with yourself because I think like the one area that so many people um, get conflicted in, and I'm speaking from personal experience with um, many different things, but also with like people I've worked with and everything as well as that when it comes to like setting boundaries, it's easy to do if it's a friend, a coworker, like a random person online, like we set boundaries and we really stand for what we're willing to accept or not accept in our own lives. But when it comes to family, there's like this um, perception that because they're family, you should have to deal with their stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, and for those of you that are just like interested to learn more about this topic, I know Mel Robbins, like if you Google like Mel Robbins, um, toxic relationships I think it's called there's a video where she talks about that um but it's like we we don't actually have to put up with anyone's shit and especially not our families you know and it's like exactly like what you said to get to that point where you have compassion and you still uh, like understand the aspect like the connection and the love that is there it's like Mm -hmm. also knowing that you don't need to take their shit you don't need to just do it because they're family or Mm -hmm. you know whatever that might be so it's really like powerful that you were able to like come out the other side and be able to build that boundary. Like, have you found that you've had to do that in other areas of your life as well as create really clear boundaries or? Oh, for sure. I like to call myself the boundary queen because yeah. that's like something I love to do is because I know, like you said, I know what I'm available for and what I'm not available for. And growing up, I was like a total pushover. I was a total people pleaser. So I would do anything and and everything for everyone. So going on to this journey, like I've realized like I have to take care of myself first for me to show up better for the most important people in my life. So if I don't create those clear boundaries, then I'm actually doing not only a huge disservice to myself, but a disservice to the people around me that you think you're protecting and trying to please at the same time. This is such an interesting topic. And I know I've talked about this on other podcasts before, but it's just like, so often when we think that we're actually like helping people by like crossing a boundary, you know, it's like, yeah, we need to do our own stuff, but this person really needs our help. Or this person um, is asking something of us that we kind of feel like we shouldn't be doing, but we really just want to be helpful and kind and whatever. Like so often when we think we're helping people, we're actually enabling the behavior that's kind of like stopping them from growing. Mm -hmm. And it's like kind of crazy to think about it because we think we're doing a good thing, but we're actually stopping other people's growth while also getting frustrated and annoyed at ourselves. So this Mm -hmm. is like, I know it was one of the most transformational things for me when I started to set boundaries and I was like, no, like if someone can figure it out themselves, I'm not answering that question for them. Um, You know, like, no, I'm not going to come to your rescue for the millionth time. No, I'm not going to do that. And there's still areas in my life for sure where my boundaries are pushed a little, but it's like every time I create awareness around something, it's like I create a new boundary, whether it's with a client whether it's with family, whether it's just with people in the world, like, you know, it's just like being so much more clear of what those boundaries are so that one, you're so much more at peace, but two, you're actually helping people more when you do it that way. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole point of boundaries is like helping you live your happiest life and also pushing other people to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. I think that's such a cool point. So one of the things that I wanted to ask you as well, because I know this is like, uh, obviously like your expertise and from your own experience, but as well, like with what you work in, um, when it comes to like emotional eating and the real reason why we struggle with food in our body, like, can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, of course. Okay. This is my total jam. So when we think about like emotional eating or binge eating or any type of struggle with the relationship to food, the first thing that we turn to is of course the food. We're like, Oh, I'm eating this whole bag of Doritos. Let me just put this bag of Doritos away. Let me just eat a salad. So that will just fix my problem. And it actually doesn't because what happens is that we eat the salad and then we're like, oh, now I feel deprived. Let me just go binge on this ice cream later that day. As we start to create this cycle of like, okay, well, let me just eat this healthy food and let me just fix that. And it doesn't fix it because the real reason why we struggle with food is the internal reason why. You got to think about it. When we reach for food, what are we actually needing in that one moment? And usually what I see with myself in the past with my clients, with people I talk to, is that we need either like the basic human needs, like we need love, we need support, we need connection, we need safety. So we think we get that from the food because we get the rush of like the scientific sensations and the endorphins and all of that jazz. I don't know much about all of the molecules in that, but I know we get this like rush of this good feeling inside of us for like two 2.5 seconds. And we associate that with, oh, that meets our need of feeling safety. Oh, that meets our need of feeling connected. That meets our need of feeling love and support. But it actually doesn't. That's an external thing that we're doing. Then what we do after that food is we have that need like met for 2.5 seconds. And then we feel a rush of guilt. Then we feel a rush of shame. And then we feel all of these feelings inside of us, which then leads us back into the point of where we're like, okay, now I have to restrict again. Oh, but now I want food now. And then we start to create the diet binge cycle basically. So what we're actually doing is when we turn to food is we're actually trying to meet a need inside of us that we can already meet internally. It's just the intention behind what we're doing is beautiful. Just the strategy is kind of shitty. So we just need to fix the strategy and actually meet those needs internally inside of us. That's how we can change the relationship to food. And that's how we can change the relationship to our body as well, is that we're just looking externally for an internal fix which then creates actually a bigger disconnection with ourselves and our body, which then creates more shame, more guilt, more unhappy feelings. And then we're like, oh, why? Why can I never stick to a diet? Why can I never do like a meal plan? Why can I never have a good relationship with food? It's because we're not actually addressing the real issue. It's underneath and it's an internal issue that needs to be addressed versus just food. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, that's so huge. And I think like so true in any area, like I find the same thing um, in business and in everything, you know, like it's like you're going through like a growth journey and then all of these kind of like self-sabotaging behaviors or thoughts or patterns or whatever come up. And usually people are just like, oh, like I have this limiting belief of this fear of judgment. So I must need to work on that. But really so often it's actually like a completely different thing that I have nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, or it's like suddenly now I'm stressing out about money and it's like, yeah, but that's probably not actually the reason. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's always deeper. I always ask my clients like go deeper past your egotistical surface level of thinking. That's where you'll find your answers for most of your problems. (laughs) 
Yeah, so true. So like if somebody like if someone listening right now is like, okay, I totally resonate with this, like whether it be food and body for them or whether it be like another area that's really resonating, like how do you actually recommend, like, can you give any advice or tips or comment on what it means to actually look internally for that? Like, how does one do that? You have to get silent. You have to be by yourself and you have to connect with your breath. That's one of the biggest things I teach anybody that comes into myself is that the quickest way to get out of our head and into our hearts and our bodies is through the breath. And it's free. You have access to it all the time. And it's something that is your greatest tool that we forget to ever use. So actually becoming silent with yourself, no distractions, no nothing. I always tell people just literally sit in front of a blank wall, boring as it is, but please believe me, it works. And just literally close your eyes and just breathe. And then you'll actually feel inside of yourself, inside of your body. That's when you can start digging internally. But the thing that comes up a lot is that we're in a society right now where we don't have any time, where we're just silent, where without distractions. Like we're, we're in a society where we're so disconnected from ourselves and our bodies and everything else that we always have our phone. We always have our computer. We always have something going on that can be kind of scary to get silent, especially if you don't feel into your emotions, you don't feel into your body a lot because I see that come up a lot with my new clients is that we get scared to feel into it because we think the body is going to overwhelm us with so many things. We think we're going to be crushed and you feel like, you know, like when you're like the house collapses, we think that's what's going to happen when we actually go into feel into our body. But the thing is, I want you to know when we do that, is that our body will not give us anything that we can't handle because our body is set for survival. So if it's not, it's not going to kill us. So even mm-hmm. though it feels overwhelming, even though it feels maybe a little bit heavier first few times, just know it's okay. Just breathe through it. I like telling people to tell like the mantras when you're doing it, like I am safe, I am supported, I am loved, things like that because your body won't give you the things it can't handle. So yeah, does that answer your question? Get silent breathe and really connect into you that's how we can dive internally into us Mm -hmm. absolutely I think that's like the best advice because it's so true like internally we already know the answers to so many of our things and the good thing is is that if we want support if we want to feel help through this process if we want someone else's feedback that's where like a coach or mentor whatever can really help you but Mm -hmm. the but you really have that power and and I think to add on to that um when, um, when we're silent and when we're breathing and when all these things are coming up, I think it's also important to trust like whatever's coming up and it might come up in very different ways for different people. Like suddenly you might just be overwhelmed with emotion and just feel like crying. And you might, mm-hmm. you're, you're like, but why am I crying? It doesn't make sense. And then it's like you overthink it and you block the flow of the release because the truth is, is that I feel like we're in a society with like, there's a lot of people that are into personal development. There's like so much talk about it, which is amazing. And I'm so happy about that. But at the same time, sometimes like we get a little bit like too obsessed with it that we think there always has to be a deeper meaning. There always has to be a deeper reason. There always has to be like, you have to know, remember the time that this person said that to you in your childhood and now you're forever traumatized. Like, no, you don't actually need to know the root of every single thing that comes up. You don't need to understand it every single time. You know, like you don't actually need to. Sometimes all you need to do is cry and your body will release what it needs to release. Right? Like sometimes you need to laugh. Sometimes a memory comes up. Sometimes um, a thought comes up, sometimes a belief comes up, you know, like it might be different every time that you do it or experience it. And I know that for myself, like many times when I've tuned in to myself and thought, okay, where's this really coming from? What's this really trying to show me? Like the first thought or the first idea that popped in my head, I actually wanted to reject. I'm like, no, 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 it's not that. 
Yep. Um, actually, yes, it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's the thing too, is like when we feel into our bodies, emotions are just energy. Like you said, sometimes we don't need to attach a story to it because when we attach a story to things, like when we have this emotion, we want to attach the story to it. Then we start to spiral down into like this whole pit of like unhappiness. And we're just like, oh, what happened? This, 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 and this, this, which then spirals us into more of a deep pit of shame and guilt and stuff like that. But most of the time, emotions are just energy that needs to be released from your body. Like you said, when you cry, think about when you're done crying. How do you feel after that? You feel like the sense of like lightness, the sense of ease, or like if you if you're mad, I like to like release my anger out of me. Think about like I always I like to use a pool noodle and I smack the crap out of my bed. That's one of my favorite things to do with anger because it's just energy that needs to be released from your body. Think about how much lighter you feel. So yeah, definitely don't attach the stories to the emotions and then everything that comes up is exactly what you need at that moment too as well. So that's beautiful. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, for me as well, I love swimming. Like there's just something about diving into the water. That's just like, bye bitch. Like, <laughs> it's like everything is gone now. Like I feel perfect now. <laughs> Not quite yeah. that, easy, but it is like, that's what it feels like to me. It's just like a complete renewal. Mm-hmm. That's so beautiful. And it's true. I feel like water has such a huge like impact, even being by water with me, like the smell, like the sound. I just feel like the sense of just cleansiness, like almost like my body feels so like new and refreshed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I totally get that. Um, okay. So it's like really about understanding that with a lot of the things that feel like they're the surface level problem, Um, especially with food in your body and that kind of thing. It's like if you tune in a little bit deeper, then you can kind of start to get to the the cause of that a little bit more. Do you you find that when, um, let's say, for example, you tune into yourself, then maybe you release some emotion or maybe a memory comes to mind or like whatever else, right, um, comes Mm -hmm. up. Do you find that that's often like already releases kind of like the desire or the need for feeling like you need to, for example, binge eat? Or is that, is, it, is there kind of like a next layer or a next step or like, where does it really go to from there? Like, let's say, okay, now I know, oh, this is the real reason. Is it like now that you have the awareness, it becomes easier or is there still kind of like more to understand? there's still a lot of deep work at least that I've seen because like awareness is always the first step. Awareness is beautiful and it's usually one of the harder steps because like becoming aware of something, becoming aware you have an issue is like somewhere we have a lot of resistance, we have a lot of struggle. But once we become aware like, oh, like I had this thing happen with my mom. Now let me dive a little deeper. Okay, what brought this up with my mom. Okay. I had this situation. Now, what are the feelings that evoked from it? What's the belief that I'm holding on from it? Let's say like my mom called me like fat when I was like eight or something. Now I have this belief that I am not worthy unless I'm like a size double zero or something like that. I'll just insert it with what I went through. So now I have this deep belief that I am not worthy unless I'm a double zero. So now there's so many different layers we have to uncover with that because we need to start shifting the deeper belief. Because if you want to create a massive transformation inside yourself, you can't just change your actions. You have to change the beliefs deep rooted into your body that are embedded in there. So we need to tap into like our feelings with that, the emotion with that, the forgiveness aspect with it as well, because that's huge, having compassion, having love, knowing that they did the best they can with what they had, 
which is usually really hard with forgiveness and stuff like that and family traumatic experiences, easier said than done. Um, tapping into your inner child is huge. Some That's the biggest work that I do is inner child work. Mm-hmm. Um, really shifting that belief and being like, okay, well, what do I actually want to believe? What is my actual truth that I know deep rooted in my body is that? And then we can start shifting as we go through all of those, all those many layers, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So there's really just like so many different layers to it. But as soon as you start to bring awareness to it, that's kind of when those new steps can start to unfold. That's what I'm Mm -hmm. hearing. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. That's the thing. You have to get aware, then you can start doing the deeper healing of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this would be true with like pretty much anything. And it's like cool to see because I think you're such a great living example of this. Like you're doing all of this incredible work and your mindset is so on point. You know, like it's, it's really cool to see because, um, as you like, and I'm assuming here, but from what you've seen so far, but it's like, as you started to heal that, um, relationship with food in your body, um, did you start to see like other things in your life become easier? Oh my gosh, so much like that, that changed the whole entire freaking game for me after I changed the relationship with myself and food, like it was like a domino effect. I was able to shift everything else in my whole entire life. The relationship I had with my husband, boyfriend at the time was awful. God awful. Like you can even ask him. It was like on the verge of breaking up every single day. And once I started to heal like my relationship with myself and my body, that relationship totally did a three freaking 60 or 180. I don't know what the term is, but it did a total flip flop. Like it became the most strong, the most like deep relationship we've ever had. And it just started to start there and it just has gone up ever ever since my relationship with like my business and everything like that I changed because I was like in a job and I kept getting new jobs and I couldn't stay in a job until because I like I never had a passion I didn't have anything that I wanted to do I was just so lost I was so alone but that's when my passion started to brew inside me was when I healed my relationship to myself and my body and then just showing up in the world like I used to be the meanest most negative person out there where I used to be like why are you even talking to me? Like, why are these people singing? Why are the birds singing? Like, I used to be so angry, like 24 seven. And now like, I'm one of, not to toot my own horn, but toot toot. I'm one of the happiest people like I know. And that's the greatest thing for me. And I feel like that's the thing is like, that's our key to happiness is once we unlock the relationship with ourselves, then everything else starts to unlock and open and just becomes easier and more happy. Mm. So yeah. That's so true. It got me thinking as well as you were saying that, that so often when we are blaming the world for our problems, like, you know, when we are blaming the world for the birds are too freaking happy, like, you know, it was my family's fault. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it's just set up this way. Like I was never taught any better. Like when we, when we put the blame, um, like on the outside of ourselves like that. And we really step into the role of being a victim, which I mean, it's understandable why we do this. Like when we ask ourselves, like, why do I do this? And it's like, whatever, it's because we're protecting ourselves, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. friggin' scary and it's painful sometimes to face that, oh, dang, like this might be that this, you might have, it's not saying that it was your fault that you got in that situation, but it's your fault if you stay in it. You know what I mean? Like you have the control to change. Mm -hmm. And so And that is like, oh my God, like I feel the punch in the gut every time I even say that myself, like, because it's a shitty thing to realize, but it's also the best, most empowering, amazing thing in the entire universe to realize because that, when you really take that belief on board and you face the like scary spaces in your life, you face the scary things, um, then you suddenly are liberated into the most freeing, incredible, fulfilling experiences of your life. So, I mean, it is 
like shitty, but it's also amazing. Yeah. Um, but like we do this, we put this like blame outside of ourselves and step into this victim role because one, there's like this level of protection ourselves. We don't want all of this pain that we've been through to be for nothing because if it's as easy as changing your mind about it, then why the F did I go through all of this pain in the first place kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also it's when we aren't willing to look at ourselves that we are always blaming on the outside, right? It's always someone else's fault. It's always a genetic problem. It's always a, this problem. It's always that, you know? Um, and so it's interesting because if you were to do a little self audit for yourself, like where in your life, do you, um, give up most of your responsibility and power? Like where in your life are you, um, uh, struggling to take accountability or are you blaming or whatever, because probably in that area, you're going to have the biggest breakthrough. If you ask yourself how you can take accountability for that area in your life. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, we're responsible for our human experience. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that unlocks so many doors and actually healing and feeling into your body is probably one of the hardest things you can do in this lifetime, what I believe, because feeling into pain, feeling into sadness, feeling into those traumatic experiences are not easy. And it's something that we love to numb and disconnect and just pretend they're not there. Like, peace out, dude. Like, I don't want to feel these things. But that's actually keeping us away from our deeper purpose, our deeper connection within ourselves. So it's just putting like this space between who we really are and the life we're really supposed to be living and ourselves. So when we actually do take emotional responsibility, when we actually take responsibility for our human experience and do the deeper inner work and we do the heavier stuff, it actually creates more of this openness, more of this happiness, more of the positive fulfilled life that you were craving beforehand that you thought you could get from disconnecting, which actually creates the opposite problem, which I usually say is like we're prolonging our suffering as long as we're disconnecting. Mm, that's so good I love Mm -hmm. that I think that's like that basically just like hit the nail on the head that's that's really what it comes down to yeah I love it I I have nothing else to say (laughs) interview over okay okay bye (laughs) see you later (laughs) no this is so good I love this I feel like it's such an important thing to talk about because I mean, I work with um, incredible entrepreneurs. You know, they're achieving amazing things in all different areas of their life. They're stepping out of their comfort zone in so many areas. Um, But the thing is, is that we all have areas that kind of hold us back. And I think for me, um, uh, like, I mean, I talked about this on a previous episode, but health is really like one of those things where it is such a foundational part of who we are. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, um, my husband, he did an interview one time with a guy who had a food addiction as well. And it's just like, it's interesting because the thing is we need food no matter what. It's not like when you have an alcohol addiction, you can just cut it out. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you still have to keep eating. Yep. And you still have to see yourself every freaking day. Like you're not getting a new body, like no matter how much you pay for plastic surgery or whatever else, it's like, you're still you, you're Mm -hmm. still your body. And so, um, it is one of those areas that is probably, I believe like for sure has one of the biggest impacts because it's, it's an every single day thing that you have to deal with, right? It's an every single day thing that you have to experience and feel into. And so why not have a really awesome relationship with your body and with food, you know, like why not heal those things and see how it can liberate you. So I think it's been really, really valuable, everything that you've shared. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think the same way. It's like, that's the key to our happiness is just reconnecting back into ourselves and our body, which then is a domino effect to everything else in our lives. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, around this topic, are there any other areas that you think like would be really important or very interesting to like cover? Or do you feel like there's anything else that you really want to share with the audience? Um, well, I have advice. So if you ever want to dive into this work, I definitely recommend this is the, this is heavy, heavy, heavy stuff is inner child work has been a total transformation, total three freaking 60 for my whole entire life and my clients. So if this is something you want to do, definitely check out inner child work. If you've dove into yourself just a little bit, it don't just deep dive into inner child work. If that's the first thing you're doing, because it's scary, it's a little heavy. So, but it's definitely something that's going to create a massive transformation in my opinion. Mm, oh yeah. I love the inner child work as well. This, it was probably one of the first, um, uh, I don't know if it's the, the right way to word that, but it was it was a really transformational thing for me to learn as well. And I know when I first started working with clients as well, that was like one of the first things we always did, really, inner child work. And also, because I also do like intuitive work in my coaching sessions, and the like one of the first things that always comes up when I'm doing um, like intuitively tuning in, it's just like, yeah, this is inner child, this is inner child, this is inner child, like... That's probably yep. one of the biggest things that comes up. So yeah, I agree with that. It's it's deep and powerful work. Mm-hmm. It is. It's changed my freaking life. Like the first time I did inner child work, I was sobbing my eyes out. Even like the first, even still, sometimes I like cry. Let's be real. Yeah. But it's it's one of the most beautiful and like the most really deep connective work you can do with yourself. Mm-hmm. I love that. That's so beautiful. Oh, that's amazing. Okay. Well, if people want to come hang out with you. Um, like and learn more about what you do or anything where can they find you and connect with you well i hang out a lot on instagram and a lot on facebook i'm just my name at kate Quinnell, and then i have my free facebook community breaking through emotional eating so if you want to come jam and a free community that's there and if you want to learn more about me you can just go to my website it's katesquinnellcoaching.com and you'll find all of the jizz jazz there so yeah that's where i hang out Amazing. That's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing your story and being so open with us today. Like I'm absolutely certain this has been profound for so many people and just what they needed to hear. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. This was so amazing. Awesome. And for those of you listening, thank you for being here. You know, I love you. You know, I appreciate your time. If you took something away from this episode that you thought was like incredibly profound or really touched you, I'm sure um, both of us would be open to sending us a message. Um, did I word that right? Anyway, send us a message and have a little bit of a conversation with us around it or let us know what, what impacted you. You can also take a screenshot and upload it on your Instagram story and uh, tag me at Viola Hug and Kate at Kate. Dwinnell, nailed it. Um, yeah, got it. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and just, yeah, follow us and let us know what's up. Let us know what's going on. And I'd love to hear how the episode impacted you. So thank you so much for being here. And I'll catch you all again on the next episode of the Event Babes podcast. Bye. Bye.